turn your attention to the 25th Psalm and focus in on verse 11. And let me say right off the bat, what just happened is part of what I enjoy about being here. It's comfortable. You know, you, you, you feel like you're actually a part of what's going on. And uh, I do appreciate that. And again, I'm glad Mark didn't leave. <laughs> okay, Mark? Okay, Psalm 25 and verse 11. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. Our Father, we thank you this day for all that you have chosen to give. We thank you for those things, Father, which you have chosen not to give. And we thank you, Father, for being the God that you are, who knows us better than we know ourselves, who's aware of us, although oftentimes we give thee no thought. But yet, Father, you have loved us with an everlasting love. How can we ever thank you enough for those things? We just finished a period of time in this country where we call Thanksgiving. But Father, we should be thankful unto you every moment of every day. Because your eyes are upon us. We that know you, as you see the sparrows, know the hairs in our head. So, Father, now be with us this afternoon as we open your word and we consider the matter set before us in these few words. May, Father, you be uplifted, your son be uplifted. That your spirit be uplifted and be moving in the hearts and the minds of each of us. And we might appreciate you and all that you purpose for us better today than we have any other time of our life. We ask these things for Christ's sake. Amen. The key here in verse 11 is a pardon that is what is being asked for that is what is desired we're told that David is the writer of this psalm and David beseeches the Lord and he says for thy name's sake O Lord pardon mine iniquity We can replace that word pardon with the, with the word forgiven. Wouldn't go very far afield if we said remission. The idea of a pardon is that whatever you have been guilty of has now been 
set aside. Mel can probably explain to us a pardon in terms of man's legal system. Not even probably, I most definitely can, better than I can. But I'm understanding here that David is beseeching his God to pardon not just him, but his iniquity. When I read this verse a few days ago, it's like one of those verses you read many times and you just pass over it. But I read the pardon my iniquity. And then it says, for it is great. I'm kind of getting the horse, the cart before the horse, as far as my outline is concerned. But it says, mine iniquity, because it is great. As if it was just one iniquity. And I hope that I can draw some attention to this and explain to you the real point that I'm trying to make in drawing attention to the singularity of the iniquity and the it. So who is it that David is petitioning? Who is it that David is desiring to pardon him? The answer is his Lord. For thy name's sake, O Lord. And that's the only one that David could go to for this matter. Had David killed a man go to prison and the king determined to pardon David and to forgive David for that one sin. But David is beseeching the Lord. He is calling upon the one that is far superior than any king. He is looking unto the Lord God of heaven, creator of heaven and earth, to pardon his iniquity. I'd like, if you would, to look at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 43, and there I want us to notice verse 25. Isaiah 43 and verse 25. I even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake I will not remember thy sins only God can say that if there's a question in your mind look at verse 1 of Isaiah 43 
But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have remembered, I have redeemed thee, and have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. Let there be no question that that one who says that I, even I, am he that blotteth out transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember sins. God only can do this. We can, we can forgive one sin. We can give maybe several sins over time. But the part that we're talking about here is one that's all-inclusive. And we'll, pay, we'll look at that again before we close out this afternoon. The extent to which God can pardon. When Isaiah, look at chapter 44, verses 21 and 22. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel. For thou art my servant, I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel. Thou shalt not be forgotten of me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. There's a little more element, there's another element added here in verse 22, and I don't want to go too far afield with it. But the Lord here tells Israel, he tells Jacob, return unto me, for I have redeemed you. To be redeemed means to be purchased, to be bought out. To be made someone else's property. Our Lord blots out sin, He pardons it, He forgives it. In another place, it goes so far as they even throws it behind his back. Not to be picked up again. Not to be remembered. In the book of Micah, little small prophet, a small book of prophecy in the Old Testament. I want us to look at the seventh chapter. Verses 16 through 20. The nations shall see and be confounded at all their might. They shall lay their hand upon, upon their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. 
They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like a worm, like the worms, like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord, our God, and shall fear because of thee. Who is a God like unto thee? That pardoneth iniquity, that passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage, to retain not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depth of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth of Jacob and the mercy of Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, that passeth by transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. The nature of our God, the nature of that one that David is petitioning, for a pardon is the very one that needs to be petitioned because he is the one that does not retain anger forever he delights in mercy I think sometimes we forget that part of God's nature he wants to be merciful we focus so often on his wrath which needs to be presented if it were not for his wrath there would have been no need for the Lord Jesus Christ to go to the cross of Calvary but because he is a God of wrath he is a God of justice he is a God of perfection he is a God that will not shrink, set aside his standards. And he delights in mercy. But how can he be merciful with us? How can that be done? Someone has to receive his wrath. His wrath has to be poured out somewhere. And I won't say let's all say it in unison. But let us say it unto ourselves. Who is it that received God's wrath on our behalf? How else can God be merciful? How else can God pardon? How else can God pass by a transgression and remember it? Not forever. Just wipe it out. 
It's gone. In our minds, in our memories, we know our sin. We know our sins of omission and commission. We know our sins in thought, word, and deed. But in the pardon that God gives, they're not remembered. They're gone. Someone carried them away. Someone bore them on his back. Nailed them to his cross. And delivered us from the penalty of Something we can never do for ourselves. So let me ask now, why should God pardon? On what basis was David requesting this pardon? In case you haven't noticed, David did not say, For my faithfulness, for my love for you, for my good works, it is any of those things. He said, for thy namesake, for you, for your glory, for your honor, for your status. For your praise. Do this for me for your sake. Let me be a recipient of your love, your mercy, your grace. Let me be one of those tokens, one of those, those, those little, little rocks, those stones. Let me be one of those that have received your pardon, that you may be glorified for his sake. We like to think about our sake. Aaron and I joke sometimes, her father had a phrase when something he wanted done, and he would say, do this for me. David didn't say that. Don't do this for me. Do this for you. The psalm that every child in in this country, I'm sure, has heard at one time or another. Psalm 23 and verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores, puts it back together, strengthens it, renews it for his namesake. Psalm 31, verse 3. For thou art my rock and my fortress, therefore for thy sake, for thy namesake, Lead me and guide me. Don't do it because I need it. 
Though I do. But do it for your sake. For your glory. For your honor. For your praise. You know, we're not saved for our benefit. Our benefit is secondary. We're saved for God's glory. To show his mercy. To show his love. To show his compassion. That's for God's sake. Go to Psalms 106. Psalms 106. I'd like for us to read the first eight verses. Psalm 106, beginning at verse 1. Praise you the Lord. O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest bearest unto thy people O visit me with thy salvation that I may see the good of thy chosen that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation that I may glory with thine inheritance we have sinned with our fathers we have committed iniquity we have done wickedly our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt they remembered not the multitude of thy mercies but provoked him at the sea even at the Red Sea nevertheless he saved them for his name's sake that he might make his mighty power to be known God can do that It is not for us to go around and do things. Look at what I'm doing for you. No. Our God. Our God is able to say. Nevertheless. He saved them for his name's sake. That he might make the mighty. Make his mighty, make his mighty power to be known. God can be jealous. God can be zealous. God can be whatever God wants to be. He wants to be merciful. I, have mercy. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will harden whom I will harden. God is God, people. And there's none other like him. There is no other God but him. And yet, David petitioned for a pardon. He came before the throne of God hat in hand. Pardon me. Forgive me. 
for thy name's sake. Let me just be a part of that which you purpose to use to bring glory unto yourself. I'll be happy with that. Who is it that is to be pardoned? We know his name is David. You know, not just David is mentioned here. I'm going to go so far as to say that I'm mentioned in this verse. I need that same pardon. Every male needs that pardon. Every Mark does. Steve even needs a pardon. We all need a pardon. Because we're all guilty. We're all sinful. From the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, there's no soundness in us. David says, O Lord, pardon mine iniquities. I'm not going to hide and say, I have not sinned. I'm not going to say I have not iniquity. I'm going to confess to you my iniquity. Pardon me. He really makes it very clear in the 51st Psalm. Psalm 51, the first five verses. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. I'm sorry, have mercy upon, all, have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee. Be alone have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That had no reference, that last lie had no reference to the act that was committed wherein David was conceived he's talking about his mother's nature his father's nature shaping in iniquity that's why I believe in there in our text Psalm 25 and 11 he speaks of iniquity because that's what we are that is all that we are the Apostle Paul says, In me, in this flesh, this body, dwelleth no good thing. There's nothing here of any value. It's all depravity. There's no goodness in it. Every sinner needs to fall flat on their face and confess against thee 
thee alone have I sinned and done whatever evil it is in thy sight. David had one in particular sin in mind when he's speaking here. But we can, enter, we can insert any sin we want to because we're all that guilty. And we've all done that sin in God's sight. I didn't see your sin last night. I didn't see your sin this morning. I didn't see your sin last week. But the God that David is petitioning sees every single one of them. So when he does pardon, his pardon is not minuscule. It's a great pardon. Again, I, I, I use the, the example of someone killing someone and the king pardoning them. That one single sin. But when God pardons us, he pardons us from every single sin that we ever shall or did or will commit. There's not a one that's left. They're all removed. There's nothing hanging over our heads. It's all done away with. And it's pardon. And the pardon cannot be revoked. Look at Psalm 34. And there I want you to notice the 18th verse. Psalm 34 and 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Both contrite and broken have similar meanings. And I'm going to sum it up as a lack of wholeness. We need we need to be broken. We need our pride squashed. We need our integrity our integrity set aside. No one's ever gotten a pardon back from God and did not first confess against thee and thee alone have I sinned. Haven't got to use those same words. But the truth has to still be there. Lord, I confess not my imperfection, not my mistakes, but I confess my depravity my vileness the fact that as you are the standard I'm as far from being what's acceptable to you as anything could ever be but yet I petition a pardon for you because you delight in mercy do not hide your sin do not think that God doesn't know. Do not think that you're going to get away with the least little thing. I had a discussion at work with my supervisor. 
In fact, the, the manager and the assistant manager. And they're asking me about this thing of the seven deadly sins. And they said, you know, I don't know about these seven deadly sins, but I do know this. The least little sin will send you to hell. The least little one. Not one of those seven. Any one of them. Any sin is enough to send you to hell. And trust me, we're all there. We've all done at least that one. Don't look for seven special ones. Sin is an intricate part of us. My iniquity, my very nature, every thought, and every imagination of the hearts were only evil continually. Is that not what God said about man? Did I say repent of me that I've made him? That's the extent of what we are. And the only ones that are going to receive their pardon are those that ask for it in that very vein. We've danced around it a few times already. What is it that David's petitioning to be pardoned? Pardon my iniquity. Pardon the very root of my very nature. Forgive me for all that I am. Look at Isaiah chapter 1, if you would. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Scarlet, crimson, bright red colors can be made like snow, can be made like white wool, clean, fresh. That's what can be done by God for us who confess their sin unto him. Turn to Romans chapter 7. In Romans 7, I wanted to notice verse 24. Romans 7 and 24. Paul asked the question, O wretched man that I am, who should deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, 
So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. Both the flesh, the law of sin. Paul's acknowledging his sinfulness. He's acknowledging his desire to serve God. What he said earlier in this chapter, we're not going to read. But he sees that battle inside of himself. Where he would do, he does not do it, he would not do that, he does. He says, I'm a wretched man. I'm carrying around this body of death. Who can deliver me? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the answer. That's how it's done. Our iniquities, our very nature, is all made good in the person of Christ. You know, right now, we still sin. I've been saved some since 1974, I believe. And not one day has passed I have not sinned. But I have a Lord, Savior, sitting at the right hand of God ever living to make intercession for me. My pardon stands sure. I'm as pardoned now as I was the day I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. I spoke earlier of the extent to which we are pardoned. You will notice in our text, David says, My iniquity, for it is great. It is multiplied. There's a lot of iniquity in me. I need a great rent or a great ransom or a great pardon. I need a great redemption. I need a great justification because my iniquity is great. We're in the New Testament. Look back quickly at the book of Luke, chapter 4. And we're not going to read all of it. I'm trying to skim it down a little bit if I can. If not, we'll come back to it later at another time. And no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, let's do this. Luke chapter 7, verse 40. If you're going to read it at verse 40. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon... I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. 
One owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said to him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Since thou this woman, I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, to the time I came in, have not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil, thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to, whom live, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? He said unto the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Who is going to be more appreciative of God's pardon? The one who committed seven sins or the one who's committed innumerable sins? The one who's had innumerable sins forgiven? This one would be the most appreciative, the most thankful, loved the most. What am I saying here? I'm saying the forgiveness and the pardon that God can bestow is inexhaustible. All of our sin is taken away. The actual verse that got me thinking along this line is the one I, I want us to return to now. And that is the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 50. In Jeremiah chapter 50, I want us to notice verse 20. Jeremiah 50, verse 20. In those days, in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found. For I will pardon them whom I reserve. Think about that. In God's pardon, 
someone may look at a book look for sin and there won't be any look for transgression there won't be any why won't there be any I will pardon them I'll remove them I will forgive them there'll be no more what is the means by which this, this pardon is given Romans chapter 8 Romans 8 verse 31 through 39 what shall we then say to this to these things if God be for us who can be against us he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us or delivered him up for all of all us how shall he not with him also freely give us all things who shall lay into the charge of God's elect it is God that justified who is, that to, who is it that shall condemn it who is it that condemneth it is Christ that died yea rather that is risen who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us who shall separate us from the love of God the love of, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor anything or no things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? No one. Because the pardon is absolutely, totally complete. Everything is gone. who in here does not need a pardon not a man's judicial pardon but a godly pardon who has not asked for that pardon I beseech you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ if you see yourself as the sinner deserving of God's wrath then I exhort you petition the Lord in the name of Christ for a full and complete and irrevocable pardon for the